Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. John is recorded in chapter 9 verses 1 through 7, 13 through 17, and 34 through 39. As Jesus was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's works might be revealed in connection with him. I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. They brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man told them. I washed and now I see. Then some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others were saying, How can a sinful man work such miraculous signs? There was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. The man replied, He is a prophet. They answered him, You were entirely born in sinfulness, yet you presumed to teach us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. When he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of God? Who is he, sir? The man replied, That I may believe in him. Jesus answered, You have seen him, and he is the very one who is speaking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he knelt down and worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you're not supposed to touch your eyes or mouth without washing first right now. So don't really do this, but close your eyes tight and then imagine covering them with your hand. Now do that for the next 20 or 30 years. If you were born blind, if you couldn't see, if there was no braille and work that they could do for you, you would have a lot of time to think. If you were struck blind, you probably wouldn't make it four or five hours before the mind began to think, why is God doing this to me? And that right away is the wrong question. The right question is, why has God allowed this? Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, in today's sermon, we see that Jesus gives sight to the blind, and we will answer why he allows things like this. And we'll see so that we can see God's glory, so that we can see that seeing is not believing, and so that we can see that Jesus is the Son of Man. Now, Job was never told about the devil approaching God saying, I beat you, and God saying, well, fine, go have it, my servant Job. And the devil saying, well, you've protected him, you've spoiled him, and God saying, take everything but his life. Nor the devil's stupidity in realizing that faith is God's Holy Spirit in his heart. So Job never did curse God or fall from faith. But you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, along the lines, Job has four friends who come along to him. And what do those friends in one way or another accuse him of? You've sinned. You've done something to really anger a righteous God and he's punishing you. Lots of times when bad things happen to us, that's what we think. 
God is punishing me for something. God hates me. And that was the reasoning when the disciples say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? The thinking being either A, God who knows everything, knew that when this guy became an adult, he was going to do some awful stuff. So God just struck him with blindness to prevent it. But we can even forget that you know, due to intercourse outside of marriage, keeping the marriage bed pure, that there were infections and diseases that could be passed on to the baby through the birthing canal that could actually make it blind. So in some ways, in scientific ways, this really wasn't a bad way to think. Did, did his parents do something that they had one of those diseases that could cause this? Why does God allow these things to happen? Why has God allowed the coronavirus to spread throughout the world and the overreaction of panic that is ensuing? Job never cursed the Lord. Job simply demanded, I want to know why. And God's answer to Job is, you can't handle the why. I govern the world. And if I were to let two seconds of what it takes to govern this universe go into your puny mind, it would explode it. God has more than one reason, and we often only look for the reason that pertains to us. In Romans, we are told that God works all things for the good of those who love him. But in today, Jesus gives a very specific reason why God allowed this specific problem. He says it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that God's work might be revealed in connection with him. In other words, this blindness was to work to God's glory. Now, many people would read this and stop right there and they would say, what kind of a God looking for an ego trip would let a man suffer blindness for 20 to 30 years? But Jesus continues, I must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This blindness was meant to show God's grace. God's glory comes when his grace is seen. Just like the glory of the Lord led the Israelites, sinful people, just like you and I who didn't deserve to be led by God, but that God is true glory is his grace. When we see salvation, when we see forgiveness, when we see he became a man in order to save us. God did subject this world to decay when Adam and Eve fell into sin. So we have things like the common cold. And brothers and sisters in Christ, if I do something sinful, like I decide to hire a prostitute and cheat on my wife and I get one of those STDs, that is a consequence of my sin, but the eternal punishment was borne by Christ. In that case, the consequence is a discipline to keep me from losing my faith. But brothers and sisters in Christ, if you catch a common cold, if you catch the coronavirus, that's just because God subjected the world to decay so that we don't get attached to this world. Why are people panicking? Because they don't believe there's a God and they are saved. That even if they catch it and God calls them to heaven, they are getting the reward of God having given them faith. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this man was born blind as a consequence of sin entering the world. God subjecting the world to decay, not because of a specific sin, but it was meant to give God glory. 
How does it give God's glory? Well, we're told after saying this, Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva and spread the mud in the man's eyes. Go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The miracle was to open the man's eyes. And we will ultimately see the miracle was done so that the man would know where to place his faith. So that the Holy Spirit would enter his heart. And what a beautiful picture as we in our sin are groping around in the darkness going, what am I to do to be saved? So... Christ sends his Holy Spirit through the good news that God has become a man. He's done all the work to save us. He bore the punishment for our sins. We're not going to hell because the Holy Spirit has worked through that message to create faith. The man was given more than one kind of sight. This is the kind of thing that brings God glory. Now, the man's in heaven now. If you were to take him out of heaven and say, was it worth the 20 to 30 years you were blind? The man would say, I've been in eternity now. I've been in eternity for almost 2,000 years. You bet. I remember when I was a teenager, and maybe you do, when hard things came upon you in high school and stuff, and the drama, and parents saying, kid, you don't know nothing. This too will pass. Oh, what do you know? I'm miserable. This is the end of it all. And then three days later, it passes, right? When we have illnesses and problems, that's where we think now, I did, why God, why? But in all eternity, we come to understand God used this to keep us in our faith. And as we've been learning through this Lent season, when Jesus did miracles, they were meant to show people, yes, I am the Messiah. So either A, your faith is in the right place, if they already trust him as the Messiah, or B, I better be looking to Jesus as the Messiah. This brings God glory. As a side note, I've often wondered, why mud? If I were to walk up to you and take some mud and rub it into your eyes, it would have the opposite effect. I'd take your vision away. In a way, this is very gracious because the man can't see, but he can feel that God's going to do something. And then he tells him something to obey, go and wash. And when he obeys, he's cleaned. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God understands that you don't just need to hear and read the word. He gives it to you in many ways. So it's amazing. Christians say, how can God create faith with water? Because there's word and a promise in that word. How can God give you the forgiveness of sins through bread and wine? Because his word promises it. Yes, God, just like he communicated to this man, more than just saying, I'm going to heal you. Jesus could have said, be seen. And he would have seen just like Jesus said, let there be light. And there was light. But Jesus communicates with the man in a different way by rubbing the mud on his eyes. And faith demands that we obey it. The the law demands ten things. And if you even think just once, one sinful thought, the law says, that's it, you're damned. The law never empowers you to keep it. Do you know what the good news of salvation in Christ demands? It demands that you believe it. But unlike the law, it supplies its demand because the Holy Spirit works through the good news that Jesus is your Savior and he creates that new man that clings to Christ. And God is glorified. Not a selfish glory like when Pastor Sherman preaches a good sermon. You go, wow, Pastor, is a good sermon. I go, yeah, I'm a good pastor. That's not how God is glorified. God is glorified because he has saved you when he brings you and keeps you in his kingdom. That's what God considers his glory. So see how Jesus gives sight to the blind? He even has the man, you've got to obey something. Just go wash. And the man does. 
And it teaches him. There's a bunch of object lessons here. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that gives you sight. And you trust in him and cling to his word. So we see that Jesus gives sight to the blind. You and I were blind so that we can see God's glory. But what about the religious teachers of the age? Eventually we get to verse 13. They brought this man who had been blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man told him. I washed and now I see. Then some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Wow! You want to talk about missing the point of the law. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy meant that the Israelites were to take a rest, a rest also spiritually by hearing and being nourished in the word of God that pointed to the coming Savior. But instead, the Pharisees, they thought they were saved by doing the law. They never mind the fact that the law accused them of being sinners. And so they added uh, other laws. And, And if you healed somebody on the Sabbath, that was wrong. And it was actually a sin to make mud because you were working. Jesus healed somebody on the Sabbath. The summary of the law is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus did not break the Sabbath because he did not break the spirit, the intent of the law. He showed love by healing and the Pharisees were showing hatred by accusing with false witness. But that's the one group. There's another group that comes along and they say, How can a sinful man work such miraculous signs? Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, we know there's illusionists. You know, they do neat tricks like making their finger come off. But that's just an illusion. They can make the Statue of Liberty disappear, but that's just smoke and mirrors. Jesus did miracles that defied science. Raising somebody who'd been dead for four days, confirmed dead, for example. They get this. All right, maybe once this is a trick. Maybe a couple of times it's, a, it's from the devil. But the way this man keeps doing it, he has to be from God. And they are so close. He is from God because he is the son of God. He is true God. So there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. Now the man is beginning to understand something. And he gets what those people are saying. This guy has to be from God to do something that defies science. The man replied, he's a prophet. Ultimately, these two groups come together and reject Jesus as a prophet because we're told in verse 34, they answered him, you were entirely born in sinfulness, yet you presume to teach us. And they threw him out. Brothers and sisters in Christ, seeing is not believing. Seeing the scientific method, that's Thomas. Thomas says, I won't believe unless I get to stick my fingers in the nail holes. And Jesus allows him to do that. That's the scientific method. But Jesus tells him, you believe because you have seen. More blessed is the one who believes because they have not seen. You are more blessed than the disciple who got to stick his fingers in the nail holes because you know that Jesus rose from the dead and your sins are forgiven without ever having seen it. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, when it comes to the miracles, seeing isn't believing. People will always find a way to deny it. People will even go out of their way to deny there's a real God, even though creation just screams out his artistic signature. This man was born blind. Born in his particular unique circumstances so that he would be brought to the faith. 
but also so that you and I could see that seeing is not believing. When God's Holy Spirit is in your heart, even though you have not seen the Savior, you know Jesus is true God who became true man. Do not confuse the two. Seeing is not believing. Faith is the Holy Spirit living in your heart. These men were rejecting even though the evidence was right before them. You have accepted because the word of God has given you the Holy Spirit so that you obey. Now, after he gets thrown out, we're told in verse 35, So when Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of God? There are a couple of titles Jesus used for himself. The Son of Man. The Son of Man is a title God used for the prophet Ezekiel, emphasizing Ezekiel was just a man. But with Jesus, there's more to it. Everybody's a son of man normally. He's emphasizing that he's true God who became true man. And son of God is emphasizing that. Jesus, who is true God, is true man. He's our substitute. The man's eyes have been opened. He understands Jesus is from God. Now he's about to be given the fullness of faith. Who is he, sir? The man replied, that I may believe in him. Literally put my trust in him. Jesus answered, you have seen him. See, the man couldn't have seen Jesus before. With the miracle, he opens his eyes and sees the Savior and knows he's seeing a prophet, but doesn't realize he's seeing the prophet, the high priest, the king. You have seen him, and he's the very one speaking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he knelt down and worshipped him. There we go. The Holy Spirit's in his heart. He now knows his Savior. He knows his Savior is true God and true man. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. See, you are blind, blind to the folly of this world now because of faith you trust in Jesus, even though that defies science. People don't rise from the grave. You know, even though science can't even prove there's a heaven, that even if the coronavirus strikes you tonight and you're the worst case scenario, you're going to open up your eyes be in heaven and thank the Lord. Even though the world is panicking and they've done studies, Jesus tells us we're like sheep. You get one person to line up and talk two people to line up behind them. What are we waiting for? Oh, just something big. Pretty soon you'll have entire crowds and then you can start doing the rumba and stuff and they'll follow you. One person starts panicking and the rest of us will start panicking. But brothers and sisters in Christ, you see that Jesus is the son of God and son of man. So you can say, what's the worst case scenario? It takes my life. Big deal. I'm going to heaven. But I can, in the meantime, I can tell my neighbor, there is a God. And he's using this for your good because he's using this to show his glory. Brothers and sisters in Christ, why does Jesus allow these things to happen? We can't handle all of the implications and all the people affected. Our minds can't handle that just like God told Job. But we do know that he uses it for the good of those who love him. And in today's lesson, we've seen Jesus give sight to the blind so that we can see God's glory, so that we can see that seeing is not believing, and so that we can see that Jesus is the Son of Man, the Son of God, and therefore our Savior. Amen. Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen.